Hello, and welcome to the Strong as a Mama podcast. This is a place for women to feel seen and heard during the intense personal transformation that takes place when becoming a mother. I'm your host, Mary Hansen, and I have a really special guest today. It's my sister, my older sister, Claire. Hi, Claire. Hi, Mary. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. And this is actually the second time that we've recorded this because of, um, yeah, technical fail on my end with the first time. So this is the second go around, but we're choosing to see it as meant to be that we had a dress rehearsal and did it again, right? That's right. (laughs) Great. So Claire's amazing. She's my older sister. I said that she's 16 years older than me. Um, We're actually half sisters and she's just an incredible person, an incredible mom. And you're going to learn that hearing from her. Um, But before we dive into all of that, Claire, will you just tell us more about you as a person? Yeah, so I live in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Um, love the ocean. I live here with my husband. I'm this is my second marriage, um, and we live here with our four beautiful children. I have two children from a previous marriage, Jack, um, who turns 18 in a week. Um, Eva, who is 12. He came into the marriage with a daughter, so I got a beautiful stepdaughter, Emma. She's 15. And then we had a child together, Alex, who is almost three. Yeah, so you're in, like, all the stages of of parenting at once. <laughs> I'm in all the stages of parenting at once. And today I, I, I'm a certified life coach and a rapid transformational therapist, and I help uh, women just because of my journey, um, navigate and think about their, um, depression and their anxiety symptoms differently and move to a better space and create some breakthroughs. So wonderful. So wonderful. She's incredible at what she does. Um, (laughs) great. So let's just rewind like 18 years then. (laughs) Just real quick. And Mm. so kind of paint the picture. What was life for you becoming a mother the first time? And what was that experience and transition like? So I was 27. I was the first one out of my friend group to have a baby. I was working full time as a nurse. I was newly married. Um, You know, we got married and got pregnant six months later. And my husband was working a lot. He was a fellow in... um, the cardiothoracic anesthesia heart program. So he worked a lot. He was gone a lot of hours. And um, I had the baby and, you know, everything was great. Obviously, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, My mom came and stayed with us for a while. And then my husband went back to work and my mom left. And it was just me and the baby. Me and the baby. And we were alone together all day long every day and my life had rapidly changed in ways that no one had prepared me for um I intellectually knew that motherhood was going to be about caring for the little baby all the time but I didn't know no one prepared me um for the emotional, mental, physical stressors of that initial period. And, you know, the hormonal confusion, too. I mean, people will mention the baby blues, but um, it's really, uh, really, I, I don't think we, I would love if we could start kind of talking to each other about it. Like, hey, this is a thing. It could happen. And this is, if it does, this is what you do. And, and also it won't last forever. But... Um, I didn't know I was depressed was the funny part. I, I didn't really know I was depressed. I just kind of felt, um, I was just going through the motions, but I just, I knew I was tired. But one night I woke up my husband in the middle of the night and I, at three 30 in the morning, I'll never forget. Um, and I explained to him that I, you know, I thought this was going to work out. I thought I'd be a good mom, but apparently that's not the case. And so I'm leaving. I need to go. 
and there's enough breast milk in the freezer to last you until you can figure something out. And I, I in that moment, thought I was in my right mind. <laughs> like, I, I thought I was making perfect sense. Wow. And how um, old is Jack at this point? How far out postpartum were you? It was a couple months, actually. I think, it, I think, it, I don't remember exactly, but it was a couple months. And um, thankfully, my ex-husband, who was a physician, knew, you know, that what was going on and went, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and had me, had me to the doctor at the doctor's office the next day. And they, you know, put me on medicine and and then a week or two after I was on medicine, I started feeling this intense love for my baby. And I and I didn't know that it was supposed to be like that from the beginning. Um, before I hadn't felt that. I felt indifferent to him. But I felt intense love and so I got, you know, better. But it it wasn't over at that point. I think the transition into motherhood was so it was such a, a shock and a challenge. And, you know, it's it's not about you in any way, shape, or form anymore. And there's a little bit of where am I in this? You know, where am I in all of this? I'm 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 nowhere. I'm not I'm not even part of this. And and in our and we feel so guilty about taking care of ourselves you know, and prioritizing ourselves. Last night I saw um, an Instagram post and it was a reel of a woman working out and she said, she said, uh, behind every mom who works out is a woman trying to not lose herself. Yeah, right? And, but, but I even felt bad when I like took a shower and did my hair and makeup, like, then I was like not a good enough mom or something. It was really weird. But um, so that that was it was a struggle. I there were I and you know you and I have talked about this. It was a little sobering. Like this is motherhood. Totally. Like this is it. Like this is this isn't as awesome as I had dreamed about. This is so much more raw and real and um and it changes your relationship with your husband overnight totally you know and and so I was I don't know that I was um I felt like I was the only one in the world that was like I'm not digging this you know I mean I love him I love him um look at him he's beautiful he's amazing and I love him, but I'm I'm not I'm not digging this. And then, um, you know, you reclaim yourself though, as time goes on. And I don't know for you, Mary. For me, I don't think I really started feeling like myself again for a couple years. Totally. Yeah, like yeah. a couple that's of years. That's how it's felt for me this time around. Like I feel like I'm very recently starting to actually feel like myself again. Mm -hmm. And Fawn's turning two on Sunday. So, yeah, that checks out for me, too. Yeah. And then with um, with Eva, um, because of my risk factors for postpartum depression, they recommended I be on antidepressants towards the end of my pregnancy. And, they, you know, the doctors explained to me that the risks, the benefits outweighed the risks, and so I did it. And so I didn't have that crazy... A really big depressive period, but I did cry every day. And this is why like, I know it's hormonal. There's a hormonal aspect to it because I cried every day, whatever time it was, 1 p.m. every day or 11 a.m. And like clockwork. And my husband and mom would kind of make fun of it. Like, oh, Claire's going to start crying. So then I started like taking a shower at that time or going on a walk at that time and just letting the tears come and and again, I <laughs> secretly think there was a part of me that was like, oh, crap. 
I know what I'm about to enter into. You're like, not this again. Yeah. Not this again. Beautiful, beautiful, healthy baby girl. Um, I was so lucky, you know, but it, it just was, yeah, where, where am I? I've lost myself. I'm, my identity is a mom to these two children. And, and somehow I felt guilty and like a bad person because that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to make me feel fulfilled and happy. Like they should be enough, shouldn't they? That's such a message. Yeah. And, and I think too, like for me, I felt so much guilt because there's so many women who they would love to be mothers and are able to, or who have lost their babies or, you know, have intense health struggles or whatever. And I, I can't imagine going through that. I really can't. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I had no right to be unhappy in any way because I had healthy babies, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's just not fair, you know? it's so complex and and you know we've talked about before that these i think more women experience this kind of uh hard cold truth of motherhood moment but they don't speak it because it sounds ugly it's the ugly thing Mm -hmm. and so it's like our it's our dirty little secret and we don't talk to each other about it and normalize it and make it part of the adjustment. And maybe, maybe even if we did talk about it, it wouldn't be so part of it. Like if we actually said to a mom, yeah, the first the first 12 weeks are the hardest thing you'll ever go through <laughs> mm-hmm. with the sleep deprivation and the learning curve and and the rapid change in everything about your life, like it's that, you know, and, and nobody, like I tell people now when they're um, pregnant, I tell them that I'm like the first 12 weeks, just get through it. And nobody gets to mention the divorce word during the first 12 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And, yeah. Because it's hard. It's hard. And we don't, like nobody wants to say that to a, a a beautiful pregnant woman at a baby shower. Like you are about to go through some hard stuff, but but there's light at the end of the tunnel. The the smiles, the giggles make it worth it. You know everything makes it worth it. But it's um, the transition. We aren't prepared for it, I don't think, and we don't let women know that it's okay for them to feel the way they. feel feel and that depression postpartum depression is a thing and it's actually a pretty common thing I think it's super common more common than we even think just to varying degrees and then you would you would think I would have avoided all this the third time but um so I I got a divorce got remarried and you and you were done having kids I was done I was like I'm I made it I made it. <laughs> you, know, you, you and I have talked about like there is a day that you say kids were leaving in five minutes and they get themselves ready. They get themselves a snack and they're buckled into the car in five minutes all by themselves. And you're like, this is amazing. There's no car seats. There's no diaper bags. There's, you know, it's just them and their phone. basically. <laughs> and I had reached that phase and they were both in school and I was back to work and and so I was like, okay, I, I made it out of the woods. I made it out of those dark years. Um, not and I say that dark years. I mean, there were so many wonderful moments, but uh, I I suffered a lot with um, depression during those years. And um, so, but Michael wanted to have another baby. And I remember the first day, I, it's like kind of crazy. I remember the moment he told me and I was just like, in my mind, I was like, oh, well, then I'm not your girl. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's not happening. <laughs> and there was so much anger for so long, even after I had Alex, like some secret anger, because I was angry that I had allowed him to convince me to do it again and go against what I thought was my better judgment because I knew it would 
what toll it would take on my mental health and my physical body. And I just didn't have it in me as, you know, I, I wanted another baby, but I, I just didn't want to go through the pregnancy and the postpartum depression and the transition. And, and I was even like, you want to go back to sleepless nights and waking up at six o'clock in the morning for like eight years. And, you know, and he was like, yeah, I want to, don't you? And then I thought about the little baby. Yes, I do. And, um, uh, and so he came, and I, that was the worst one. I got, I experienced it the worst with him. Um, I experienced it the worst. I waited the longest to seek treatment. It was during COVID, so it was, it was hard to, I, I felt like it was hard to, um, you know, my OBGYN wrote some medicine, but and referred me to a psychiatrist, but nobody was taking new patients. People had appointments available, you know, we, I can see you in six weeks and things like that. And, and it, it, it turned dark. Like I, I got to a point that I didn't even want to live. Like I wanted to die. I just to make the pain, yeah. just to make the pain stop, just to make the emotional pain stop. And that, and I, I, cause I was like, gosh, this is such a miserable way to live. And and my family is better than me, you know, like they're t too good for me. Like they would be better off without me as dead weight um, were the thoughts that were starting to go through my head. And, you know, even um, it turned into what they called us. Uh, it's more rare than postpartum depression. They called it postpartum depression with psychotic features. I started to have a few thoughts about maybe this baby is here to drive me crazy and um, things like that. And I received treatment for that. It's, um, you know, but I, then I got in with a student therapist and she was actually amazing. And I'm a big believer in my coaching with clients about, you know, getting to the ugly truth, I call it. Like, what's the thing that you're not saying or allowing yourself to feel or be aware of? Because it's so scary. If you have to say it and be aware of it and let it hit air, that that ugly truth is so scary because it might rock your world. Might Now I might have to do something about it, you know. And I got to tell her, I don't, I don't love the work of motherhood. I said I don't like being a mom. That's what I told her. But she said, I, I, I don't want to invalidate you, but you light up when you talk about your kids. She's like, you, I, I'm pretty sure you love your kids. And I said, yes, I do. I love them. I die for them. I was like, I just, I, and she helped me discover, I don't like the work of motherhood. I don't love, yeah. I don't love the work of motherhood. And she allowed that part of me to have a voice, to, to be seen and heard. And I got to, and I shared it with my husband and I was like, and I, I kind of, the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, I know a lot of women that are unhappy and have experienced depression and, and what if we just say, it's okay to say, you know, I don't love all the work about motherhood. I don't love to constantly service little ones. You know, I I would like to have some uh, meaning and fulfillment in my own life. You know, I'd like to go to the bathroom without a toddler busting in on me every second. You know, like just. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's like not okay for us to say that. We're supposed to say, I love everything about being a mom. I love everything about it. Yeah. I'm, it's the best job in the world. It's the best yeah. job in the world. I'm so lucky to be a mom. And we are. But we're not allowed to say anything else other than that party line. We're not allowed to say, sometimes it's the hardest job in the world. Sometimes I want to sell my kid to the lowest bidder because they're driving me crazy. Not that, <laughs> not that we would, but, you know, sometimes if I have to watch that cartoon show one more time, I might lose my mind. You know, <laughs> sometimes I'm sick of being 
uh, you know, cheese stick crackers, you know, like, you know, just, you know, bossed around. I don't know. Yeah. We're not, we're not allowed to, to say any, anything other than it's the best job in the world. I love my children more than anything. And we do. And that is the truth, but anything other than that hearts, flowers and rainbows version of motherhood, it's like not okay to say. And I think because we stuff that any of those feelings down that's the ugly truth that we like hold within us and it like festers I totally agree I think we we even sometimes we it it feels um you know appropriate to say like to say to allude to how hard it is and then follow it up with Mm -hmm. the hearts flowers rainbow for example like Oh, you know, I I sure wouldn't say no to a few hours of sleep, but it's so worth it. I'm so in love with them. They are the biggest blessing. I'm so lucky, you know? Yeah, and we do that. I've even done that just in the past few minutes because we do that to stop people in their tracks from saying, but look at the good side. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's it's like you don't, um, in in helping people with trauma and stuff, you don't, you don't need to say, oh, that's really sad story, but look, at least you're out of it now. You know, you have to like sit with them in the sadness and let, because they've stuffed it and let it come out and breathe and be, and then it dissipates and loses its power. But, um, most people can't hold that for us. Like if you just said, I'm not loving it today, you know, it's almost like, well, give your reasons, Mary, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> defend yourself. <laughs> but um, yeah. that's, so I allowed, so I had this great therapist. She allowed me to say the ugly things. My husband held great space for me. And um, I asked you beforehand if I could, if I could read a letter that I, I wrote to myself, um, to that part of me. I wrote a letter to the part of me that secretly hates the work of motherhood. And the funny thing is, is, you know, the concept is, is that when we acknowledge these parts of us that are ugly or unflattering or not socially acceptable, when we, when we address them, acknowledge them, the, the, it kind of like we can come to an agreement with them almost or come to back to balance they lose their power because they're not our secret and we're not using so much energy to push them down in a way but um so I wrote a little note I said the following letter might be triggering controversial for some but I have to tell you I have talked to many women who feel this way they just push it down feel guilty for feeling this way and continue on as they've been doing but without any acknowledgement that continuing on can lead to feelings of anger, resentment, depression, and anxiety. I'm a big believer in talking about the ugly stuff. It's the way out. I wrote the following text to my husband on a particularly rough day. I was attempting to work from home, carpool the kids to friends' houses and practices, and squeeze in a workout and some sort of sanity time for myself. Obviously, I wasn't executing it very well. Here's the SOS venting text to my husband, poor guy. I wrote, here's the rub, the thing that has been pissing me off lately. I believe that I can either, one, take care of the kids, the house, the laundry, the mills, the things, or two, take care of myself. One is inherently in conflict with the other. That's how I felt when you met me and I didn't have capacity for all the things and that's how it's been and how it is. And the fact that the kids, the house, and the things always need something from me makes me feel that I can't take care of myself. It's just reached a boiling point here at the end of summer because here I am doing the mom thing when I need and want to be doing other things. I should never have had kids. Yep, that happened. It was like diarrhea of the fingers. And because, you know, my husband will tell you, I say how I feel. I don't censor. I'm... I'm direct and honest and kind about it, but I know the cost of not saying how you feel and speaking up and um, communicating your feelings. And so 
um, I'm very direct. So, you know, he would be like, yeah, I would expect nothing less from her. But two hours later and no response from him yet, <laughs> I sent another text. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Awkward, right? So I sent, I'm sorry. I'm not sure where that, what came over me. I'm off the ledge now. Now, I absolutely love my children. They are amazing and I would die for them. But at times, I do not like the work of motherhood. There, I said it. I do not like the lack of free time, the constant servicing of little ones for food, laundry, and carpooling. And that makes me feel like a faulty or deficient mom for feeling that way. But it's how I feel. Two surprising things happened after I sent the text. First, the resentment and anger that I was feeling in that moment literally evaporated into thin air, and I was enjoying interacting with and being with my kids. Wow, could simply acknowledging the ugly truth have this effect? Yes, yes it did. I talk a lot about the ugly truth. It's a truth or belief that we have that is not flattering. We expend a lot of energy pushing it down in a way, but it sits there growing like a weed and becoming all pervasive until we blow. Second, and it took me 14 years to blow. So like, it's not like with the first marriage, it took me 14 years to blow. So it's, it's a long process, but it, the cost is just too high. Second, I said, and I'm sorry for being me and feeling the way I feel text, because we often do that. I'm sorry for being me and feeling the way I feel. Follow-up text to my husband, because that ugly cousin of anger and resentment called guilt came bubbling up. But Immediately after sending that text, I thought, no, that's how I feel. That's the ugly truth. That's me. But immediately, um, so, but immediately after sending that text, I knew I was pushing my feelings down and away again because that's how I felt and feel. So I did know what, so I did what I knew would help. I wrote to that part of myself. Dear part of me that secretly hates the work of motherhood, I wish you didn't exist, but you do. I passionately believe that it is your presence that, has, that was the cause of the debilitating postpartum depression I experienced after all of my pregnancies. But I couldn't admit your existence. You're too ugly of a truth to tell anyone. What will they think of me? What do I think of myself? I feel horrible, that's what. And faulty, and guilty, and not deserving of the title mom. But I know you are simply there reminding me of my true thoughts because you love me. And because you want me to be true to myself and be authentic, just like I teach. You know that I value that and understand the cost of not listening to it. Guess what? You were right. I do resent losing my body, my mind, my free time, my freedom, my clean and orderly house. You know I love simplicity and kids are not simple. You know I enjoy naps and reading and yoga and walks and meditation and learning and helping others. But those are things that somehow became harder and harder to prioritize. Because when I did have free time, I needed to work and shower and pick up the house and do laundry and cook meals and drive kids and be present for all the activities. All the while, they sometimes hit me when they were small and disrespected me when they were older. You are right. The work of motherhood is a sacrifice and a thankless job. And you did a lot of it alone. And it was too much. And you started to hate it. Even though you loved your kids, you hated the work of motherhood. It is a 24-7 job and can be all-consuming, thankless, exhausting, demanding, anxiety-producing, relationship-damaging, and sometimes isolating. Those are horrible things to say, but it's your truth. It's how you feel. You know I was starting to love my life as my children were getting older and I started having more freedom. But then I had another baby and it all came back. The sleepless nights, constant care, lack of free time, not being able to sit through a meal, the crying, all that crying. I know, I, I heard you, and I hear you loud and clear. But here's the thing, you can't stay. You make me feel bad, guilty, and not deserving. The truth is, I am a good mom. I'm an excellent and very attentive mom, actually. I show up and play and am there every time my kids need me, but you fog my vision. You color my experience. You rob me of enjoying my kids and loving every second I get to spend with them. They are great kids, imperfect and sometimes ungrateful kids, but great. And I love them 
and I'm lucky to be their mom. I know how lucky I am for my two-year-old to want to sit on my lap and read books with me because I know one day he'll have hair on his legs and he'll be somewhat indifferent to my presence like my oldest is now. But even though he'll be older and I'll no longer get to have those cuddles, I'll get to see him grow and become his own person. I'll get to launch him into the world and be so damn proud of him. And I know I will miss them all and even cry when I think about them, them when they have all moved out. I won't be grateful and glad I have time for myself. Well, maybe a little. But I know I will miss them and look at pictures of the days we got to hang out and have fun together before they had lives and families of their own. So I need to fully enjoy every moment with them. I want to fully enjoy every moment with them. So I need you to go. I've heard you and appreciate you pointing out the obvious and fiercely protecting my identity and freedom because you know how much that meant to me and means to me. But look at those faces. Look what I get to do and be there for. I want it. I choose it. I embrace it. And I do deserve it. And they deserve it. So thank you for being willing to step back. As a token of my appreciation, I will make more of an effort to not forget to care for myself more in the process. I'll prioritize myself when I can, and I won't feel guilty about it. I will treasure those hours here and there when I go get my hair done, get a manicure, pedicure, get a massage, go for a walk or exercise, meditate, read a book, or take a nap. I'll do that so I can be at full capacity and presence when those little munchkins need me. I know as part of the deal that I may still be exhausted or not love the work of motherhood at times, but I'm going to let myself feel that. I'm going to let it be. Do what I need to do to reset and recharge and continue on. I won't make it mean anything that it doesn't mean because it's part of the deal, part of the gig. It's simply a hard day or a hard week and those happen. And when that does happen, I can't have you forging into the rescue because you don't help. You hurt. You dampen my experience and you won't let me see clearly. And I want to see clearly. I want to see all the joys and the lows and the good times and the bad times and the fun times. I want it all. The full experience. So thank you. I feel like you've really heard me and I appreciate it. Good talk. Claire. Wow. That, I definitely teared up at multiple points of that because... It just is so perfect. It's so, it so perfectly acknowledges the very real feelings of how hard it is. And I just feel like hearing you share that, it just makes it all make sense. It's like, this is part of it. You know, it's not, it's not just something to be pushed aside like, oh, but it's fine because there's all this good stuff. It's all part of looking back and saying, I really was a mom. I really was present for my kids. And that included really rough stuff, really taxing stuff, mm -hmm. and really beautiful, really amazing stuff. All of it makes up motherhood. And to not have all of it would be to not be a mom. Right. And and you're saying, I choose that. I want that. And I, I just love that. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. You're welcome. And after I wrote that letter, like literally overnight and instantaneously, I started enjoying things that I didn't. I started enjoying the work of motherhood. I started enjoying driving and carpooling my kids around. And I was like, I get to do this. And I enjoyed... Um, you know, all the, just the tour, like I get to do this. I, it, it, it's, I know it sounds crazy, but wow. like even picking up my toddler's, you know, mess, <laughs> that tornado, <laughs> his tornado of toys at the end of the day, it was like, I get to do this because I'll blink and I won't get to do this. And so, but that's all that was needed was I, I needed to, to uh acknowledge and and that that part of me that resisted it yes that's just incredible it's so it kind of feels counterintuitive in a way because i think sometimes our instinct is like no push down that ugly part of yourself like nip it in the bud you know as much as 
possible mm -hmm. but to really like you were saying just let it out air it out mm -hmm. fully acknowledge it let it be and then it can it can be released really like yeah and and I even love that you you acknowledged that that part of yourself was trying to protect you mm -hmm. like like it it was based in values that you do have you know and um it was trying to protect it, my identity shift exactly right and i'm yeah. like no it's, i didn't i'm like no i had to school it i want this <laughs> it's like you do because it seems a little crazy <laughs> <laughs> you're sure you want this and you're like but, yeah so yeah the ugly I... truth one you only have to admit it to yourself you don't have to admit it to anybody else but you have to come to like what is the thing that's bothering what's the ugly thing that is you know the rub here that I don't want to say and it's usually somewhere along the lines of I'm not happy with the status quo and I would need this to change in order to be happy and that's why we push it down because it might mean you have to change jobs or relationships or living arrangements or situations or, all, you know, all kinds of things or, you know, uh, or I'll have to work hard to lose that 20 pounds that I don't want to lose, you know, like, you know, whatever it is. But I can tell you with all the people I've worked with, once they land on that, it's relief, it's release. It's like, oh, it feels like so good to put that down. And then, you know, you do have to be, um, you have to practice discernment on who you share that with because people will try to talk you out of your feelings. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I've gotten very good at, um, you know, I redirect people. Please don't talk me out, try to talk me out of my feelings. This is how I'm feeling. Um. And it's very frustrating. Just ask Michael to have a conversation with me. <laughs> because, be, but well, it's because, yeah, well, because I don't do surface level. We're going to talk about what's really going on and we're going to talk about it kindly and directly and honestly. And I'm going to hear how you're going to feel about it and you're going to feel how I feel about it. And they might not match up and that's okay. And, but we'll work it out. And that's the premise, you know, of it. And so if, there's no like, what's wrong? Nothing. Well, that's not true. Is my response? <laughs> that's not true. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. I just love that energy. I just, this is kind of, this is totally like a tangent, but I don't know if you've seen, it was like maybe a little while back, there was kind of like this trend on social media of like, women saying like, oh, you know, a man is a keeper when and then it gave an example of like he's gonna go get food somewhere and he says like oh do you want me to get some tacos for you and the woman says oh no I'm fine but then he brings her tacos anyways uh -huh. and and she's saying like oh my gosh like that's when you really know he's a keeper because that because I you know he knew that I really did want the tacos and whatever and I know that it's just to be funny but I was just like I so do not resonate with that at all. Like, I will tell you if I do want tacos and I will own that I want them and yeah. I won't feel ashamed. Yeah. And You're not like, a puzzle. Let's be real here. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Anyways. So, yeah, I, I just love the energy that um, that let's not do surface level and let's uh, let's be totally open here. And we can. It's honestly something that Austin and I actually always say and remind each other is we always say the truth is actually way less scary once you say it um and it's it's just so much better once you get it out um and way less scary than you know painting a picture over it or whatever and so we always remind each other that and you know, when we're having hard conversations or whatever. And it's always true, you know, because everything's figure outable. Yep. But thank you so, so much. You're welcome. So all of this. If I, if, yeah. So like I said, it, I, I hope as women, we can start being real and honest. Maybe we don't have to say it at the baby shower. <laughs> <laughs> but, but. Might just stop getting invited to baby showers. Right, right. <laughs> but just like, 
shine some light on the fact that it's a, it's a huge identity shift. It's a huge transition. And instead of just pretending it doesn't exist, let's like help each other navigate it. Like, you know, what did you do to, to navigate it, to, to get through it, to um, come out the other side? Because the longer you resisted that, then, you know, the more it existed. And so I'm hoping, and so I would tell a woman like, what you're going through is completely normal. Um, it won't last forever. Share your experience with people that can hold space for it. Tell your doctor. Um, yeah. And share, you know, ask for help. And it won't last forever. And nothing's wrong with you. What you're experiencing, probably every woman in the world experiences. I actually have heard, you know, you said, I, I've heard women talk about that before that, they had such horrible postpartum depression and they had infertility treatments and in vitro and stuff like that. And they tried for years to have the baby. And then they felt like horrible people for experiencing postpartum depression. But what if we just told women like, it's a thing and you'll probably experience it. So yeah, you know, like, yeah, not that we can need to have humor around it, but, but like almost expect it. Yeah. And like, and when you say expect it, I think of like prepare for it. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you? Because I mean, when you just look at alone, just the physical that we go through, like nine months of growing a baby, being pregnant, which is so difficult for most women. Um, and then going through the delivery, whatever that looks like, that is an intense physical experience and recovering from that. And then, you know, learning to breastfeed, your milk coming in, adjusting to figuring out how to take care of this baby while being on the least amount of sleep you've ever been on and having just like an explosion of hormonal changes mm -hmm. going on. Mm -hmm. And as, as well as just everything in your world being different from the way that your body looks and the way your clothes fit and your schedule and everything like literally everything's different then it kind of does put into perspective that you know most women are going to experience it to some degree mm -hmm. yeah to some degree and there's so much shame I think in how you look to your husband too we don't talk about that even though you know I don't think they're thinking they're looking at us going you you know my husband looked at me and said you're such a rock star look what you just did yeah. You know, he's like, totally. look what you just did. And I was like, oh, I'm a mess. And he just thought I was amazing. Um, but we put so much shame yeah. on ourselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because we don't really feel like our cutest during that time and, mm -mm. and all that. But it, yeah, there's so much more to it. And, and they do appreciate us and love us for what we go through to bring our children into the world. Yeah. Well, Thank you so much for everything that you shared. Um, is there anything else that you want a woman to walk away remembering from this? Um, I, I mean, I think that if you're having thoughts of not wanting to live, like we don't talk about that. And, and I kept it a secret from um, mm. a lot of people. Um, then you need help. Like you need, you, if you need to call your doctor at least. And mm -hmm. I did not call my doctor that third time. The reason my postpartum depression got caught was I filled out a survey and my, a pediatrician appointment for my baby. And I was honest. And she, you know, the pediatrician did the assessment on the baby. And then she turned to me and said, Mama, let's talk. You know, and, and she said, and she was so proactive. She asked me who my doctor was. She called my doctor made sure my doctor called me like so they were not going to let me slip through the cracks um that's so cool yeah and um actually it's a really good friend of mine a physician here um in uh virginia who um made sure that that is uh, that questionnaire is in every pediatrician's office within the um, chkd hospital system and so i told her i was like i'm so grateful um I'm so grateful. Totally. Mm. So yeah, so That's, I would say it can get dark. It's it and so if it, it does go there, you 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 do need help. You need help. Yeah.
mm-hmm. and immediately just get help ASAP. And it turns um, around fast with treatment, like fast. Yeah. So, um, and 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 rally, you know, circle the wagons, get your support team. You know, my ex husband called my mom and said, Sherry, I need you here. And she got on a plane and came down and was here like that next day. Um, and so, yeah, it's time to circle the wagons, time to support the mamas, um, get them through a really rough transition, a rough time. And it doesn't last forever. It gets better. We yeah. we have time to do our yeah. hair and makeup again. And <laughs> Yeah, seriously, even just the difference of having like a new baby to a two-year-old, even though a two-year-old is like, so much work in different ways like they can start to play on their own a little bit mm-hmm. and they can you know you can let them play at the park and not necessarily have to like help them on every little step of the playground or whatever you know what I mean yeah. like you there's just like little bits of independence that I'm starting to see and I'm starting to feel more freedom um now that my youngest is two and it's like okay it really does it really does get better. It does not last forever. And um, don't you think, Mary, that I do, there is a biochemical component, but do you think that it is, there is a piece about that instantaneous loss of freedom, that instantaneous, complete loss of freedom? Because, like, we've been kind of talking about, like, there's light at the end of the tunnel, there's start having independence, and, you know, you kind of, get some of you back, get some of your life back. I think, I think that's part of it that I've never, you know, I've thought of, I think I've known in the back of my mind, but I think I'm just saying it out loud right now. Oh yeah. Yeah. I totally, as you're saying that, I absolutely agree. Like I, I remember when I had Ivy, my yes. first, just this, and it, it sounds so silly, but, um, you know, like every night after work and stuff and mm-hmm. dinner, like before Austin and I had kids, we'd always like watch our show together, you know, watch a couple episodes of whatever mm-hmm. our show was. And like, we just couldn't really do that because, you know, we had this baby who just needed things all the time. Like we couldn't, I mean, we'd still like try and do it, but it, it wasn't the same. Like you couldn't, <laughs> it wasn't relaxing. We weren't unwinding with, you know, the work being done because the work was still going on of caring for a newborn or whatever. And I just yeah. like and, remember and thinking, not I'm never going to be able to like, watch a movie again. I think the other thing we need to show talk about again is and, the, and feeling and so we, sad. Time is running out is, um, you know, or uh, I'm never going to be able romantic to eat relationships a meal change. No one ever tells you that. I read again. an article once that said, um, is how it feels. You know, your, your romantic texts instantly change to texts that read like grocery grocery receipts yeah <laughs> you know yeah instead of i love you i can't stop thinking about you it's hey can you pick up some diapers on the way home mm-hmm. you know and um conversations become about the kids and so my my husband my current husband and i michael he he and i have been extremely intentional about not losing Michael and Claire yeah. in the midst of it. And and we do date night and um, we have nights where the kids go to bed and the TV's off, our phones are down and we're talking because we, we both were in marriages that that happened, that it's just a process that happens. And then, then the, you, the relationship, the romantic relationship like died on the table years ago, you know? And so we are purposefully, intentionally <laughs> feeding that. Which is so And important. it's hard. And it, yeah, and it's hard. Yeah, it's, Before it's, kids, it's like, it's like all you, you naturally want to do is like romantic gestures and things that are mm-hmm. feeding the relationship all the time. And then you have kids and you, you really do have to make time for that or else there will be no time for it so i'm glad you met well i'll tell you and i'll tell you something funny that that happened this past weekend we went to charlotte to go see pink because i've always wanted to see pink so he gave me tickets to to go see her in concert um and we we do a trip quarterly a weekend trip quarterly that's part of our not losing michael and claire just the two of you 
just the two of us. We go stay in a hotel for a night or two every quarter. And sometimes it's just in Virginia Beach, like in our own town. <laughs> but we, awesome, but we, we, get, we get away once a quarter. And so we went and on on the day before the concert, like before we had like Alex, we probably would have like walked the city, gone to parks, gone and checked out museums, you know, gone shopping. We woke up that next morning because we're so exhausted. We'd, we'd been doing like, you know, football and volleyball and and toddler and, you know, Halloween parade and here and there and work and and so we looked at each other over breakfast and we said Michael said honestly I'd be totally fine if we didn't leave the hotel room all day and I said honestly that sounds amazing so we (laughs) we went to Whole Foods and got some food and we laid in bed all day long we watched a football game we watched a movie we took a nap we talked we ate it was glorious that sounds amazing. That sounds so amazing. That was totally the right call. Yeah. So, but, but like we, you know, we wouldn't want to, t- so what'd you do? We laid in bed all day, but it was great. So anyway, so don't, yeah, don't. So that's the other thing. Don't lose the relationship. You know, it will be lost the first three months, but after the first three months, start trying to find ways and time to get it back. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I love everything that you've said. I love how also we keep on thinking that we're wrapping up the conversation and then we keep on talking more. Can you tell that we like to talk and that we're passionate about this topic? Um, Yes. But thank you for everything that you shared. It couldn't have been more perfect. And I'm so grateful you were willing to come on here. Um, As we mentioned, you are a transformational coach and you help people like lots of women but not just women um going through postpartum like people of all walks of life and so how can people find you and learn more about what you do right so you can go to my website claireunkifer.com and i'm sure mary can put it in the in the comments or put a link in in there for you as unkifer is not so easy to spell um or you can follow me on instagram at claire.unkifer Perfect. Yeah. I'll link you all over and I'll throw you up on the Instagram and everything. The strong as a mama Instagram account. So be sure you're following there. And thanks so much for listening.